Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with, oh shit, am I talking too loud? No, it's fine. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, I was just given, I was just scolded by our VA that I talk too loud and I make the Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, you're listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin. Yeah, yeah. Mayu, what's going on, everybody? Austin, what's new, man? Uh, what is new? What is new? Um, from a personal perspective, I'm getting a puppy. So I'm going to be kept very busy. I'm getting the puppy next Saturday. So I'm super excited about that. I already got all of the dog supplies, so on and so forth. I know that I need balance in life. Although this is going to take away from balance in life, it's going to give me more lifestyle balance. It's going to force me to take the lifestyle things more seriously. Yeah. And it forces you to go for walks, right? Spend some time with the uh, significant other, right? So that's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I need someone to force me to do that. <laughs> that's why that's why i got the dog yeah um, how about you man with your uh me let's see oh last week was you're retired right so yeah well not i i i refuse to call it retired man um i you know what's funny i didn't tell my parents right that i that i quit my job um and then my dad listened to the podcast right and I, oh, didn't know he like my dad. <laughs> I didn't know he listened yeah. to the podcast um and then uh he, they just kept asking questions like oh are you still working are you still working i'm like yeah like, why not like, why wouldn't i right and then I, I, and then my dad texts me one day. He's like, I know you're not. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you, like, Here's the issue. My dad also listened to it and that's how he found out. But I was honest. <laughs> you lied. <laughs> you lied about it. But whatever. So now they know. Um, that's great. But it's all good. Um, I guess so, I'm this, is like, so the, this is why you're more censored in our uh, preambles now, eh? <laughs> you, got, ah, you got the officers listening. That's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, personal life's great. Uh, business life's great. Uh, started doing the 12 week in a year. I don't know if, I don't know if you've read that book, but, uh, it's essentially just setting quarterly goals, lead indicators, lag measures, things like that. Um, start really tracking performance. So I'm doing that. And a big part of it is I think once you significantly change your lifestyle, like once you go from working the job, plus like all of this grinding stuff, like it's very easy to, you take out the job and you just feel like you're not really making progress. Right. So a big part of it to me is like, am I making progress in the right directions on the right things that I want to be making progress on? Um, and uh, the result was like, yeah, I was doing good. Uh, so I had three goals. One was mortgages, one was coaching, and one was um, my overall health and lifestyle, right? So mortgages and coaching was doing great. My health and lifestyle was, was still shit. So I was like, oh crap, got to start changing this, right? Um, but other than that, it's good, man. You guys got any uh, wholesale deals in the pipeline or what? Um, yeah, yeah. So we sent out a ton of flyers and we've been getting look, a ton of calls. Um, we had a deal that was locked up, but unfortunately, I don't even know really what really happened to the seller. The seller just kind of went MIA on us. Yeah. Um, and it was odd. So we got the deal signed um, and the seller literally went into the lawyer's office to sign the paperwork. And then I didn't hear back from him since. And so like he had to be serious because he went to his lawyer and yeah. Sudbury signed the paper and then just stopped responding to my calls and texts. And likewise, the lawyer, I told the lawyers, like, hey, look, I got to back out of this deal if he doesn't answer. And the lawyer reached out several times and he hasn't responded to the lawyer. So I don't know if it's a change of heart or something that happened. But what we're going to do, a lot of people might think, you know, it's not a deal anymore. It's time to move forward. Yes, it's not a deal for now, but we're adding him into our CRM system. 
to continue to follow up with them, maybe every couple of weeks, right? Because we've had people do that before, but we're still able to squeeze deals out of it by being consistent on follow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we are, we just sent a ton of flyers out in Guelph as well. So we're working on getting some deal flow and it's refreshing because we took our foot off of marketing for the past month because we were in Mexico when we wanted to get the high, we wanted to hire someone, get the systems in place. But now all of that's done. We're grinding and marketing like thousands and thousands of flyers. Yeah. And I think uh, this last week, I think it was last week, right? Where we had our rise networking event. Mm-hmm. Um, those ones are great. Cause I think it was only like 80 or 90 people that joined this time. Yeah. Here's the issue. 200 people signed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've got to, we've got to put a, a pain measure in there, right? Where at least like we charge five bucks or something, but you donate it like something like that. Um, cause it, yeah, it's essentially like if it's a free ticket, people will always just buy a ticket and then, and then later decide if they so want to come or not. do want to actually show up too. That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Like we were, we were both in like some solid groups of people. Cause like we, it was essentially 20 minute networking sessions with five people in a room together. Um, it's just, I love hearing about like what everyone else is doing, what areas they're investing in, what strategies are working, what pain measures there are, or what pain points there are for them right now in their journey. Um, so it was honestly just really good conversations that we had. Right. And I think it was, a, it was a good quality bunch that came, like everyone was net investors and stuff like that. So if anyone's listening to this, if you guys are investors, um, get out, join, our, join the virtual zoom meetings. It might not be in person, but at least it like, it gives you some confidence, like, especially when you're, for example, myself, like I'm the only one really in my group of friends, maybe other than one person who's got like a, a couple of properties. I'm the only one that really invests in real estate. Right. So if I wasn't part of if I hadn't surrounded myself with other investors that were doing way bigger things, I would have just thought I was, I was perfectly fine in life and I was just crazy to want more. Right. But when you get out there and you meet people that are doing bigger and better things, you go, Oh, why can't I do that? Right. That's the entire reason mm-hmm. you join masterminds, coaching programs, all that stuff too. Exactly. So to make sure to join the rise network Facebook page, I think we're close to 5,000 members now, which is amazing. Cause it's hundred percent organic, hundred percent organic. Oh, I should mention this now. Um, if you, <laughs> why do I always forget it? Make sure to make sure you guys like subscribe, comment on the podcast. You really do because, uh, I don't mention it enough. <laughs> okay. Now we can get into the podcast episode. Uh, and in today's episode, we have Mark Loeffler going to keep this introduction brief. Most of you guys out there probably already know who Mark is. He's an OG in real estate investing. He's been investing for more than a decade, published a couple of great real estate books, some Canadian real estate classics. One of my personal favorites is fix and flip. Um, one of my personal favorite real estate books. So he is a book of knowledge and he has over well over a hundred units, invest in multifamily, has a sizable portfolio in Hamilton uh, where he was able to grow it using other people's money. And he sold off a significant portion of that. And he's redeploying his assets into stock trading and into the Alberta real estate market. So quite interesting stuff. We get into all of that and much more with Mark in today's episode. So this is one you cannot miss out. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. Today, we are on the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your guest, Mark Loeffler. Mark, how is everything going, man? Terrific, man. Spring's coming. Hopefully the end of the lockdown in another <laughs> 50 days or whatever. Who knows? But uh, yeah, no, man, things are good. Awesome. That's so awesome. Mark, for, for anyone that doesn't know you, uh, myself and Austin, we both know you, um, but you know, for anyone else, you know, why don't you give everyone a quick background on yourself, your investing journey today, your portfolio, which is quite large and yeah. Sure. Uh, so I guess I've been investing now. I'm pretty old. So I've been investing for about 17, 18 years. Um, I started off doing burrs on uh, duplexes in Newmarket, Ontario and Toronto and grown from there. I have a 
portfolio currently of about 180 doors, but I've sold off about 140 of those in Hamilton. And I'm kind of taking that money. Well, I, I'm refocusing my energies, let's say, on buying in Alberta and the US. Um, I know we're going to talk about that. Uh, I've been a realtor for the last 12 years. I mainly focus on helping people grow their wealth through real estate. On that side, I obviously have a YouTube channel. Same thing. It's just passionate about helping people grow their wealth. That's awesome. Yeah, let's let's actually dig down. There's a lot of topics we wanted to cover today. Um, so you mentioned that you had, or, or you were up to 180 doors at a point, 80, 180 units. Um, I still, where, still, still am. Nothing is closed yet. So you never know. <laughs> Perfect. We can add that to the title, 180 units. Um, okay. How did, how did you get uh, started into investing? Where was the start for you? And how did you start, I guess, navigating in real estate and growing your portfolio? Yeah. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And from there, at that time, his real estate advisor was uh, Dulf de Roos, which guy from um, New Zealand. And he basically had a book and it said, here's the numbers on buying real estate. A uh, guy I knew at my office, which was in Canon, uh, Canada, photocopiers. He had this guy from uh, Grand and Toy who was buying a lot of real estate. And so I met with him. He was buying a new market. He was buying bungalows uh, that were already duplex, just fixing them up. And I said, okay, I can do that. And uh, he gave me his realtor at the time. I went and bought two, three duplexes in New Market, Ontario. And then I started looking in Toronto for my own like house hack. And that was it. That was, that was the start of it. And then like five years into my investing journey, I got my real estate license because I couldn't find a good investor to realtor to work with. And then, uh, yeah. So how was the market dynamics back then? Was it competitive or was it real? You just found a deal. You could pick it up and just make the numbers work. Well, now you look at it and it was shooting fish in a barrel. You should have bought everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like you literally should have just bought everything. And the guy that actually that same guy still jokes with me every time I see him, he's like, who knew that back, you know, eight years ago in Hamilton, when we were looking at all these multis at twenty, thirty thousand dollars a door, you know, we'd go down. We it feels like Edmonton right now, actually. Like you'd go there, you'd look at five, ten properties, and you'd be picking out a handful that work, and then you'd put an offer in, and you'd buy one. And who knew we should have just bought all of them? That talks to me in Edmonton now because I'm like, man, should I just buy everything and just not worry about like the numbers? Like, but I'm like, ah. I'm too much of an analyst not to worry about the numbers, I guess. Yeah. yeah so you started off in those like uh, bungalow type plays and, and duplexes and so on. Right. And then you, at some point you kind of leveled up into these bigger apartment buildings. What was that transition like over how many years? And um, you know, what did you need like to, to make that switch? Right. Cause I think me and Austin, we do a lot of like single family duplex triplex. Yeah. We still look at like bigger units, like six to eight to 10 units. And we're kind of like, ah, but that's going to take us two years. And like, we're about like yeah. the instant gratification, right? <laughs> yeah. We want to burn it like that. <laughs> yeah, no. And I get it. Right. And I tell everyone like the two to four units is, is your, like your space where you can do it much faster. Um, it, it's honestly just economies of scale, but I kind of fell into it while I was doing three to four units and I was doing some heavy renovations on stuff in Hamilton. Um, and I found an 18 unit vacant building. Bacon? Uh, <laughs> so I didn't have the troubles. I mean, I had to evict a couple of crackheads and a lot of raccoons, but um, like that was about it. Right. And the crackheads were easy and the raccoons where I just shut off, how, shut up how they were getting in by putting plywood up on everything. Yeah. Um, but like it was, everything was done in that building. Like there was the heating was gone. They had stolen all the rods and they rolled them down the stairs and you know, those things are heavy. So they broke all the stairs. 
Uh, so basically it was, it was a complete rebuild on the inside, but yeah. And that's basically how I, I, I came across it. I mean, I bought 18 units for $600,000, right? Wow. And where'd the money come from at that time? Were you funding it yourself, working with JB partners, private lending? So we had a 90% VTB first mortgage from the, uh, what the, from the seller. <laughs> well, it was, it was a power of sale, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so we had a 90% VTB. They were a mortgage lender anyways. Uh, so we had that for two years. And then actually after year one, we kicked them out and we went and got uh, credit union and um, they lent us money cheaper and they lent us a whole bunch of construction financing. And then the other side, we brought in joint venture partners. So we raised okay. about on that one, I think about $800,000 all told. Before the 18 unit, you were doing like all like under four units. Yeah. You kind of jumped eh? <laughs> kind of just jumped into both feet. And yeah. then, you know, I owned eight units. Uh, I owned a couple of six units side by side for 12. And then, you know, I just started buying the real impetus to get into the bigger stuff was I had joint venture partners who were basic, you know, they, it, it didn't make sense. They had so much money that I'd have to go and buy too many properties and the smaller stuff. It just was um, efficiency of capital really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, so then, so from then to now, I guess you, you built up your portfolio to 140 units. Um, how have you seen the market change? Like, obviously we can talk about like market, like price per unit. Um, but even like overall, like if we talk about like affordability, if we were talking about like where people are investing, things like that, like what have you seen happen in the market and what was, uh, what was the duration to get up to the 180? It sounds like you were maybe at like 20 to 30 units for a while and then you kind of jumped and was that jump rapid or did it take a few years or last five years? I've really, um, I've really had a lot. Um, but I, like I've bought and sold in that time too. Like I was up to probably 80, went down to 40. Um, uh, you know, it, it, I'm a return on equity guy. So when the equity gets low, it's like, uh, or the, the return on that equity gets low. I yeah. want to deploy that money into something else. Um, and what, what's the market done? Well, I mean, obviously cap rates are compressed interest rates out of her historic lows. So what cap rates were you seeing before that? Like when yeah. you bought that 12 unit? Well, it was vacant, but what would it have been? <laughs> the 18 unit? Oh, the 18 geez. unit, sorry, yeah. Yeah, it was probably five and a half, six back then. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, we got to reappraise. That's the only CMHC deal I've ever done where they've come back in after. Um, and I think we were asking, what were we getting? 150 a unit back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and CMHC, like they're, they sent the regional vice president because they're like 150 a door in Hamilton. No way, whatever. And then they walk <laughs> through and they're like, man, this is a gorgeous building. And I'm like, well, we did everything. Like here's mm-hmm. everything we did. We did all new uh, water lines. You know, we got the, we put that on the tenant, we individual heating per unit mm. tenant paid their own gas. They paid their own hydro. We re ran all the electrical in the building. Right. So like it was a brand new building mm-hmm. yeah. and so, they're like, yeah, this is 150 a door. Now, I mean, what, what's it worth? I don't know, 250, 300. I don't even know. Yeah. At least, at least 250. Cause I'm seeing Windsor sell for 250. <laughs> I got 200 to 250. Yeah. So I'd imagine Hamilton's much more for sure. I mean, it's all down to the cap rate, right? Like it's, you can't. So it's crazy now that like a lot of, a lot, I find a lot of people are kind of buying at based on a price per unit. I know even me and Austin, sometimes we're guilty when we're analyzing like a property will go, Oh, but like the price per unit's really good, but it's so under market rented that the cap rate's like garbage, right? Garbage. Yeah. But, but you can do that, right? Like that's how I was buying too. I was buying on a price per unit. I didn't like cap rate. It's fine, but like it's a price per unit. And it's like, okay. Cause then you look and say, okay, what's it going to cost me to buy that land? What's it going to cost me to build that 
property. If, if I can get it at 25 to 30% off a discount of what it would cost me to build as is right now, then why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you buying these buildings nowadays tenanted? I know you're buying in Alberta, but like back in Ontario, Hamilton, were a lot of the recent acquisitions tenanted and how did you go around tenant turnaround or did you just wait for natural turnover? I, I kind of changed my strategy a little bit on that where, so I, I used to buy the biggest shitholes ever in Hamilton. Like you're talking crackheads. Um, the one story I bought a 19 unit property, still own it. Um, and one of the tenants didn't like one of the other tenants, crackheads, and um, decided not, you know, didn't tell us, didn't call the cops, didn't do anything, just took a shit on their door. Oh, shit. Like, and <laughs> literally, oh, shit. <laughs> literally. And so, like, the day, like, I, this is the day after I bought the thing, and the, the property manager calls me up and tells me, and I just start laughing. He's like, What are you laughing at? I'm like, What do I care? I'm like, kick them both out. That's fine. So, but um, so when I was buying those crappy buildings, it was a lot easier, obviously, right? Because they would just leave at the end. Was it still a headache overall, like to to manage? Because I imagine you get calls throughout the day. Well, I mean, I'm not managing anything, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not self managing any of these. But I mean, even even like the um, the rentals on those was, you know, it was it was intense. But then I started buying concrete buildings. And they're just nicer. Like tenants have been there a long time. Um, what I found was I used to do cash for, for, for keys, but I'd only give three grand. And what, what happened is I, I ended up buying so many buildings within two to three years that just natural tenant turnover had crew. Like we had two crews, like full-time basically renovating units for us. So anything more would have just cost me money. So I just kind of waited and people would leave of their own fruition you know, or, you know, N4s, uh, um, N5s. We, we were doing all that type of stuff. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah, now, now in Alberta, I just raise the rents and they leave. So you sold off your portfolio with about, uh, we, like me and Austin, we both follow your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, shameless plug, I guess, right there for your YouTube channel, right, Mark? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, so you sold off your portfolio now, a significant portion of it. You've got about $3 million in cash. Are you planning to reinvest that entire thing in Alberta? Are you still buying here or are you diversifying? What's, what's your plan with that? Yes. Yes. Entirely in Alberta? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no. Uh, I, so to be honest with you, the majority of the cash is I'm going to do two things. Uh, I started a fund to buy U.S. real estate. Mm. Uh, so some of that money is going to that. Um, and then the other one is um, I'm just going to put it in my, my options account. And uh and spin out any, any profits I get from my options account is going to just buy. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, to be honest with you, but I pull out the the profits and, uh, first thing is I'm probably going to buy like a, a condo townhouse in Canmore, um, or something like that, just so I can go skiing in the winter or figure that out and just a vacation rental it at any other time. Um, and maybe just do that in a couple other spots. Um, so we'll see, but that, that, that's, that's, that's the plan for that. Yeah. Me, me and Austin have both taken the options trading course and I don't think we're doing too well. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not me. <laughs> so Mark, so, so when you say like you're, you're buying properties in Alberta, um, I was on your like show where we talked about New Brunswick. I'm curious, what's the main differences that you see in Alberta versus, versus Ontario? And we could start with like the landlord, landlord rules, landlord rules. <laughs> I'm told that it's better in New Brunswick. Okay. That it is in Alberta. Um, I haven't done as much research. The biggest thing for me is New Brunswick's had obviously had a huge run up in prices lately. Um, and 
just economic sustainability. I don't see the jobs following it where, yeah. you know, as in Alberta, um, I think they're going to start to boom a little bit more. Um, and it's just freer, right? So like there's less tax out there. I don't know what New Brunswick is like for the Fevland transfer tax, but I'm sure they have a sale provincial sales tax and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. So, so if we compare like the landlord rules to Ontario, like I think you said earlier that you can increase the rents whenever you want. Um, One time a year. And mm. it has to be a reasonable um, amount, right? Okay. So it can't, um, you can't say, okay, your rent's a million dollars. Yeah, fair and enough. And then they can go and fight it and do like, well, you're going to economically evict us. But you can just say at the end of a lease, we're not renewing your lease, get out. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, so there's no, there's, the tenant doesn't have the right to stay at the end of the lease, right? Because yeah. in Ontario, <laughs> if they stay, they stay. We can't do anything. Well, that's it, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. interesting. So it's, it's interesting. You have the ability to run it more as a business where you can control who your customers are. Um, if you want to, you know, improve the quality of the product that you're offering, you've got that freedom because you can essentially end the leases at any point. And how about the non-payment of rent side? Like if someone doesn't pay your rent, do you know what the process is, the timeline and stuff like that? Yeah. It used to be one to two weeks to get them out. Um, yeah. now I'm hearing it's like four to six weeks type thing. Still going. If it's anything within two months, yeah. I mean, it's great, right? Because what's sure. what's Ontario now? Seven, eight months, nine <laughs> months? I don't even know. I don't even know. And they'll put you on a payment plan. They'll make try to make everything work, and then you lose tens of thousands. And like, okay, now you. <laughs> well, can I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, I always went when I went. I was I was always pushing payment plans. I just didn't. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's do a payment plan right now. Let's organize it. Have six months. Do whatever. Yeah. Once you get you, that payment plan in place, and once they default on it, then you just go to the sheriff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's just easier. Exactly. Yeah. So how are the vacancy rates down in Alberta? Is it, is it quite easy to tenant? Cause I would imagine that it very boom bust economy. So when it's not doing too well, a lot of people will be moving out of the province. Yeah. So it's 8% right now uh, as per CMHC, but they've had a lot of new builds. So the building I'm buying at the, we're buying is um, $850 a month average for a two bedroom. And these new builds there for a two bedroom, they're $2,000. So there's a lot of like, there's, there's like towers that haven't been rented, haven't been rented. There's a whole bunch that have been, but there's a whole bunch of towers that haven't. So that's, I think playing with the numbers a, a little bit. Uh, I mean, but I need to take that 850 for like the 1970s reno and turn that into 12 or $1,300 and I'm golden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and it's a strategy. Sorry, my, what were you going to say? No, I, also, I also just think that's, that's important in any market, right? It's always like these nicely renovated products will always yeah. be in high demand and you can drop the rents a little bit if you want, but if you've got the beautiful products, you always like be able to at least attract the tenant. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that goes for any market, but that's interesting because that's quite the spread. Like if you're at like eight fifty a thousand to like almost $2,000, like that's interesting. I mean, so the biggest, my biggest worry out there is um, that the say that that thing is like they can just put up new builds right whereas in ontario you have a buffer like you know that i mean barring outside of like toronto and stuff like that we haven't had a rental decrease year over year in ontario since they've enacted rent control yeah mm -hmm. so is it is it just that the rent is fluctuating based on like oil prices the amount of like vacancy essentially is, is what's driving the rent prices right well employment 100 employment yeah 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 because i think I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it might've been someone that invests in Kirkland Lake who said that the, the rent prices there will significantly fluctuate based on like the, the, the mines and like whatever the price of the, the well, it, are. 
was jobs, right? If there's more yeah. jobs and more demand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same it, with Kirkland Lake though, right? Like you, if it's booming and, and you know, you can't, nobody's going to build more. Yeah. They, they'll put up exactly. temporary housing. They'll do a whole bunch of stuff, but they're going to tear down after. So like exactly. the, 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 the supply is limited. Whereas in Alberta, they'll build stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's happy. You see it in Fort McMurray. Fort McMurray is one of the only municipalities that had a year over year price decrease last year. Wow. <laughs> the Alberta as a whole still went up during 2020, even when we saw the uh, low oil prices, like the all time lows and all that stuff. Yeah. Low, low interest rates. It's starting to get a little bit more on fire right now though. Yeah. yeah, yeah the one thing that worries about me about the market is, is that it, it does go through boom bust quite frequently, right? While, whereas in Ontario, we've seen like an unprecedented bull run. I think during that same time, Alberta has been through two or three cycles of boom and bust. Um, so what's your game plan there in terms of uh, like, is that worry you at all? Or have you done your research and have faith that it's going to go up? Buying the bus, selling the boom. Okay. I think we're in the bust, right? I think mm-hmm. we're coming out of a bust. I think we're going into a boom. This is all pure speculation on my part. I'm definitely putting my money where my mouth is, but um, that's, that's the goal, right? Is to buy in the bus, sell into the boom. Like these yeah. are, I mean, worst case scenario, I think you're five to seven year hold. Uh, best case, you're probably three to five, uh, but we'll have all our money out and we'll be sitting on them for, you know, after a year, year or two uh, without any cash in it. So I, I mean, we'll be doing okay. And I think if we have better quality product, even during a bust, if we have to go through a cycle, then we'll do better than the other people around us. So exactly. Yeah. And what's the, what's the prices looking like for the apartments or the buildings that you're buying down there? Cap well, rates one, or I, price per door. Yeah. First one in Edmonton, I got under contract in Queen Mary park is a 15 unit. I bought it at $89,000 a door. Um, I tried to buy something else at 80, but like that's, like the super low end of the market. We're typically seeing about 110 to 140 in Edmonton. Um, Calgary, I was trying to buy something at 155, 23 units. Uh, that probably is going to sell for 165 to 167.5. Um, I have to follow up on that because I put that offer in last Thursday. I know there was competition, so we'll see what happens. Maybe they accepted the other offer. Um, but it, different quality product too, right? Like in Edmonton, it's all stick built. This was concrete construction. Um, probably a longer term hold rather than as much of a flip, but it was, again, the rents were eight fifty a unit, mm-hmm. but yeah. they're, they're probably $200 to 250 below market value as is. Interesting. And, and what, what do you think uh, the, the cap rates are after you turn all of these units around? So Edmonton, I'm looking five and a half. Um, okay. And then Calgary, you're probably like four and a half. Interesting. Four and a half. Okay. That that's getting to some cities in Ontario, actually. Yeah. 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 I, I was, I was thinking it'd probably be seven, eight, but maybe those days are gone. All oh, those days are gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I, I, I'm actually a little bit, I think we, Mark, me and you might've like touched on this when I was out there. Um, but is the only way for, for cap rates to go, like will cap rates go back up or do you think they're just essentially going to stay at like these all time lows for the next like, whatever years, like five years or so. It's, it's interest rate driven, right? Yeah. hundred so percent interest, interest rate driven. So if interest rates go up, they would have to go up. So what does that mean for your strategy? Or are you anticipating that rents continue to go up and it kind of all offset? In Alberta, yes. And, and to be honest with you, Ontario too, like I, I don't see rents going anywhere. I mean, 
Yeah. And the government said they're going to put what a million people per year in or yeah. no, 400,000. Um, they got to live somewhere and no offense, half or more will come to Ontario um, and will want to live in major metropolitan centers. So Toronto, Hamilton, Oshawa, that type of thing. And, you know, they're not building enough new construction. So I still think Hamilton and, you know, those places are good play. It was just more of a return on equity for me, right? Like I can mm-hmm. go take that money and go make, you know, 25, 30% on my options trading and, well, and, ca- and cash on cash too, right? So like you're making, you know, 600 to a million dollars a year in cash, you're flowing out. So. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you're also looking in the States. So you're doing options trading, investing in Alberta, and you're also ideally looking to start up a fund in the U S what, what's that all about? Can you talk to us about which state and uh, some details around that? Yeah. So I got a buddy down in Florida. Um, he's going to get, I'm probably get, I'm the joint venture partner. So I'm going to be the, the, the silent partner, I guess. So he's going to be the operating partner. Um, and basically we're going to do, uh, we're not going to wholesale, but we're going to basically start a wholesaling business uh, for our own properties. He's a realtor down there too. So whatever we don't want, he'll, you know, feed his leads to his team uh, in Florida. And yeah, we're just going to be looking to buy properties off market down in Florida. I'm going to set up a fund of about half a million US uh, to start advertising and, and like as an initial fund to buy. Uh, once we get uh, three properties under our belt, we got a community bank down there that will basically lend anything we want. So, we should be good to go. And that'll be a mixture of like single family duplexes, tries, um, and some vacation rentals. Just let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I'm actually curious about the U S market as well. Yeah. Um, like what kind of numbers do you see in Florida? Cause I see, I feel like I hear about a lot of different people talking about Florida. Andrew I just talking about wanting yeah. to buy there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know I, Andrew and I've been looking down there. So. Oh, is Andrew your partner? <laughs> Did we just no, say? no, no. Okay. He's not American. <laughs> if he was American, maybe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair. Um, yeah. So, so like as a Canadian investing in the U S you know, like what's the structure and what are we looking at? A, a, let's talk about returns, right? Like if we just compare Florida to, uh, like a small city, probably not the right comparison, but whatever, compared to like an Ontario place, um, what are we looking at in terms of returns, like purchase price and rent roll? Um, so I'm not buying multis there. I'm buying smaller stuff. Um, like you're close Is there a reason to, for that? um, well, just the multi space down there, like it's again, it's a very, very similar to here, except for different landlord rules. Like you're buying in the four cap rate and anything oh, okay. decent. Um, whereas, you know, like if you get the shoddy stuff, like you're in the six, six and a half. And, you know, I don't want to have to collect rent with an M16. So, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so the single family stuff you're looking at, like, it's coming around the 10% rule. Um, so it's like a little less than the 1% you know, 10% of uh, gross annual for, for the, uh, for the oh. purchase price. So you're cash flowing. And I think there's good economic um, demand there that Florida is growing. Um, I mean, a lot of people are moving there because it's zero tax state. Um, you know, obviously it's open, there's jobs there. People see that type of stuff, right? The, the quality of leadership. It, so people are, people are moving there. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's going to be more of an appreciation sort of play. You're going to make some cash flow, but you're hoping that the fundamentals there are going to drive the prices up over the long term. It's going to be both. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, and it's just diversifying the portfolio away from some, some of it from Canadian real estate yeah. too. Right. So um, the long term, do I want to, you know, own everything in Canada? Well, no, I want to own stuff outside in a different currency. You just never know. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in a position where I can make that happen and pretty easily. 
Um, so I'm going to start that up and, and, and get going. And to be honest with you, different rules there, right? So once again, you get those three properties, you go to the community bank and they're lending on everything you get. And they'll give you 75 to 80% of after repair value right off the beginning. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so you right. have to buy three properties on your own. Is that what you said? Yeah, we'll buy three properties cash and then we'll. And then you can, we'll and then after that, you, I guess because your corporation has assets, they're essentially securing those assets and they're willing to. Okay. Yeah. And then so here's you, the thing. So my partner already has stuff down there. So he, we might not mm-hmm. even need to buy those cash. Um, and so it's different because I'm partnering with a guy in the U S than if I was buying on my own, if I was buying on my own, I would definitely have to buy the three properties and, and do the whole jumping around to get financing and stuff like that. Right. But, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I actually have a call with him later this afternoon to sort out more details. We're just at the preliminary stage. He did send me over a, um, like his lawyer suggested an accountant suggested structure. Uh, I just sent to my accountant who I have to call. But I mean, we're working through it. Nice, nice. Have you ever explored any other states? So typically what I hear people, Canadians say, I'm investing in the states. It's usually in these very low cost states where it is obviously pretty rough, but they're picking things up at like 80K for a single family house, right? Um, like places like, I think Ohio was one of the Ohio, places. Ohio, Arkansas, yeah. Missouri. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, the middle states, right? Like the yeah, yeah. Midwest. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of don't have any desire for that. Like if, if I can't burn it and get all my money out, I kind of don't want to do it. True. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there are people burning stuff in those places. Like, like, I mean, Glenn's picking stuff up at 20 grand to put 10 grand in and get a value of 50. Right. Um, yeah. But he's using all private money because nobody wants to touch stuff that low and him being mm-hmm. a Canadian. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. To be honest with you, I'm, I, I went to, um, uh, Florida because it's the who, not the how. Um, I got a partner there who I think can manage it and run it. Um, and we'll see. I have a buddy doing it in Omaha, right? Like he's doing it in Nebraska and he's doing it very successfully. So, I mean, you can do this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a, a big part of it is also going to be the tenant profile and who you attract to your properties as tenants and stuff like that as well. Right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think the U S is, it's, it's interesting to a lot of investors. And I think, um, Anyone that's interested, I know Mark, like, I, I feel like I saw it on your YouTube channel, like yesterday, the day before that you're, you're trying to acquire 200 units this year. Um, yep, and, that was, that, and, was, that was yesterday. Yeah. That was yesterday. So yeah. I'm on top of it. I, I'm following yeah, along. It work. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I think it's going to be interesting to see, cause a lot of people are interested in investing in the U S but I think we just don't know what we don't know. Right. So I think it's going to be super interesting to see what you discover along the way. So Mark, usually at, the, at this point in the podcast, we like to ask our guests, uh, three main like rapid round questions, right? So. Uh, the first question is, where do you see yourself like five years from now, whether it's your personal life, your investments, your overall journey? Jeez. I don't know. Um, I'm probably going to be doing something very similar, like, you know, golf a couple times a week. Um, obviously more travel than I'm doing right now, but that's mm-hmm. just because, you know, of the world we live in. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would probably still be acquiring real estate. Um, cause why not? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What am I at? A thousand doors. I don't even know. Like who knows, right? Like I don't, uh, I, yeah, I'm not part. planning that far. Well, like, I mean, when you have it all, you don't, you don't need any more. I'll probably you still be options trading and yeah. uh, <laughs> vacation properties around the world. Who knows? How about YouTube goals? Do you have like, like when five years, do you want to have like a million subs or something like that? Uh, so the goal for this year was 10,000 when I started. And then, um, 
we kind of bumped that up to like 25. Five-year goal would be, I, I mean, I'd be happy like if we got half a million. Like the problem is, is obviously it's a lot of Canadian content. So I got to do more not Canadian content, but then I alienate the yeah. base a little bit. So it's just one of those catch 22s where, you know, you see the Canadian base channels and they're up to, you know, after so many years up to like 60, 70,000 subscribers, which is great. Yet, you know, it's not like Graham Stefan or meet Kevin or anything like that with millions of subscribers. So, you know, honestly, you just never know. Right. Um, I think if I just continue producing good content and yeah. people keep watching, it'll grow um, organically. I don't really have like a, like a huge, like not a goal. I mean, I want it to continue to grow just because it kind of makes you feel good. Um, and just, yeah, just again, producing content to help people grow their wealth. Let's talk about that a little bit actually, cause I'm curious, like what, like you, you've already got a good size portfolio, right? You've um, obviously got a very good established network. What drove you towards doing the YouTube channel? It was just honestly to give back. Um, it was just for that very reason, like people, it's the re- same reason I wrote the, the, my two books, right? Um, as people used to ask me questions all the time. So now when people ask me a question, I shoot a video on it and basically, or I've already shot a video on it. And it's like, Hey, go watch this video and then let's talk. And then usually they go watch the video and they come back and like, Oh, that answered all my questions. Thanks. Like, okay, mm-hmm. good. So it just saves time. It's funny that you say yeah. that. Like, I think whenever I see you on Facebook, it's someone asks you a question and you just replied with like a video link, right? <laughs> it's it's <Yeah>. very practical. <laughs> so it does make it's amazing. That's awesome. And uh, second question, if you won $10 million and you had seven days to spend it, you cannot spend it all on real estate. How would you spend it? Seven days. I put it, I put it all in my options trading account. Yeah. I'd sell, <laughs> I'd sell naked puts. I'd buy some calls and I'd buy some long-term stock. You'd be levered up 70% or whatever interactive brokers does. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike Rosark style. I'd, I'd say I'd have $30 million in, uh, <laughs> in stocks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad return, you know, $2 million a year, more than $2 million a year. That's, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, like you can easily do 2% a year or yeah. 2% a month on yeah. like very conservative stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Interesting. Cool. Uh, so, so Mark, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Um, who would I choose? Jeez, I don't even know. I know I got set up, but, uh, uh, you can take me out thinking, um, uh, I don't know, Rockefeller. Mm. And why? Um, I don't know. Dude was just like, obviously pioneered before his time, like the way he did business. I mean, he was a little ruthless, um, back then, but I guess, you know, it, it was kind of the wild west. Right. So, um, and just the way he thought more of, um, he thought more long-term than most people back then. Right. So it, it just, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just think he'd be a hell of an interesting guy to, uh, to have dinner with. Yeah. I'd imagine. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're really been a huge pioneer inspiration in Canadian real estate. Um, definitely helped me on my journey when I picked up fix and flip and, uh, I think it was Renos to riches as well. You, you, you were involved in, right? Well, no, that's, that's, that's only Ian Sabo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fix and flip though, right through that. Great, great, <laughs> great stuff. And uh, honestly, always giving back to the community. If people want to contact you, reach out to you or follow your content, how can they do so? Yeah. Uh, best way is obviously YouTube, uh, the Mark Loeffler experience. And then the other way is uh, Instagram, uh, live in the dream 40. But if you go on my uh, YouTube channel, all the links are there for my Instagram. So 
Let's get let's get Mark to 25k. Um, so make sure to subscribe to his channel. Cool. Um, yeah. again, and, and if you hey, listen, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna watch the videos, don't subscribe. Don't worry about it. I'd rather have everybody who wants to watch the videos and they consume content than than if they uh, just subscribe. I don't need your I don't need subscribers more than I need people who actually just want to consume the content and learn. So. Awesome. You heard that. He doesn't need your pity. Joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And uh, can't wait to have you back on and, and see what you do with that $3 million. Let's see if uh, all of your, you start investing in the States, put some money into option. That'll be amazing. Um, anyways, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do whatever you can um, to support this podcast. Helps bring great guests like Mark on. And until next time, invest smarter and live better.